What's up, guys? Ryan Horn here, and welcome to the Extraordinary Man Podcast. This is the one and only podcast specifically designed to help married businessmen create more profit and purpose in their business without sacrificing their family, health, or marriage in the process. Each week, I interview some of the world's most extraordinary men, including seven- and eight-figure entrepreneurs, elite athletes, best-selling authors, and world-class speakers. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Kyle Sullivan. What does a Division I athlete, drug dealer, husband, pastor, father, and founder of a coaching company have in common? You might be surprised to learn that these are all stages of life for Kyle Sullivan. It's quite the journey, and all hats have built upon and led to the creation of Unleash the Champ. Kyle founded Unleash the Champ to create powerful coaching experiences for people and organizations that lead to discovering and stepping into the champion they were created to be. With over 10 years of organizational leadership and team development leading thousands of people, plus a growing desire to learn it all, he strives to inspire people everywhere to unlock the cages therein to unleash the champ within. Kyle, welcome to the Extraordinary Man podcast. How are you doing today, man? Right. I, I get so excited every time I hear that because it, it just it produces gratefulness in me as I think about, man, all of those are seasons of life for me. So I'm excited to be on the show, man. Excited for this conversation. Absolutely. Well, excited to have you here. And man, we got to dive into your backstory after after hearing that intro. So tell us a little bit about your backstory. Yeah, Ryan, you see all of those stages of life, the the B1 athlete, the, the drug dealer, the pastor, the coach, the husband, all of that, man, went back to a desire to be liked, a desire for acceptance. Uh, you know, go all the way back. And my dad, I was born when my dad was a senior in high school. And my real mom, through a series of events, she she bounced at like I was like six months old. And I think subconsciously, as I've done work on myself, that was probably a lot of why I did the things that I did was wanted to seek approval. I wanted to seek uh, acceptance. I didn't want people to leave me. And so it made me do things that maybe I wouldn't have otherwise done, but I'm not living from a place of victimhood, but from victor and that things happen and build upon themselves. And so, you know, grew up in a great home. My dad got remarried when I was three. My mom is my mom. I, I, the only one I knew was my stepmom. And, uh, you know, my parents raised me to be good, be kind, be respectful, you know, good old Southern boy. And, um, you know, man, I, I played sports all growing up. Um, baseball, football, all through high school, did powerlifting. The D1 athlete thing was a bit of a kind of shakeup because I was a cheerleader in college after not being able to walk on to the football team. Um, and so as an 18-year-old, that was a dope experience because I got to hang out with pretty girls and get paid for it. But through all of that, about in high school, I started making you know less than desirable decisions. And again, it spurred from me wanting to be accepted. So playing, you know, varsity football got moved up as my sophomore year um, with a group of guys. We all got moved up. And so these 15, 16 year olds, as we were now hanging out with 17, 18, 19 year olds. And when in Rome, you do as the Romans do. And I didn't want to be uncool. I didn't want to be unpopular. So I started partying. It was pretty much, you know, on the weekends, in parking lots, and, you know, I'm from Louisiana. So uh, a party for us was a bunch of trucks pointed at a fire in a, you know, in the sticks. And uh, it just kind of intensified throughout college. Got into college, pledged a fraternity, started cheering. The partying just intensified, uh, got wrapped up in the drugs, 
um, and did that for about two and a half years while I was in school, while I was doing the cheerleading thing. And so I got really good at having multiple lives. I got really good at compartmentalizing. These are like my drug friends. These are my party friends that don't do drugs. These are my school friends. These are my cheer friends. These I got really good at managing all of these subsects of my life until I got jumped at a drug deal and everything came crashing down, Brian. It's about two o'clock in the morning and I walk into a party like I've done countless times before, except this time there was a guy waiting to jump me. And so get beat up. I mean, that's bloody bruised. I run out of the house, get in my truck. And I call one guy that I knew from church because what I left out was my dad got saved when I was in eighth grade and my parents drug me to every church thing, but I couldn't stand it. It's really funny that I became a pastor, but I could not stand church. It was stuffy. I had all these rules. I, it just wasn't me until it made sense. So I called a guy. It's like two, three o'clock in the morning. And I just said, I need effing Jesus. I just didn't appreciate anything. <laughs> and he's like, all right, come over. So he leads me to Christ on his front porch as I'm smoking a cigarette. So I'm repeating this prayer after him uh, in between drags of a cigarette. And the next day I wake up and I ask him, so what do I do now? So I dropped out of college. I got a job and I just thought, you know what? That's going to be my path. I'm just going to work a job, do my thing. Well, I started going to church for the first time for myself. You know, I'm like 20, 21 at this time. And when I, when I accepted Christ, I said, whatever opportunity comes, I'll say yes to. So I'm in church a few months and, oh, we need somebody to serve in student ministry. Okay, great. We need somebody to do this. Okay, great. I can do that. We need somebody. And so it just kind of progressed. I think that's a big thing about, you know, our walks and how if we're available and obedient to whatever we feel we need to do, opportunities will continue to come. And when we're faithful with a little bit, we get more, you know, it's kind of the sowing and reaping stuff. So I'm in church doing that. And I feel led to go back to school. And so I moved to Arkansas, go to a Christian university, get my degree in, you know, three years and moved to Oklahoma. Before we started recording, I you know, I've been in Oklahoma for 10 years, came solely to chase a girl. There was no like, oh, God, tell me to do this now. It was a, a, a beautiful blonde that I wanted to make mine. Uh, luckily, it worked out. We've been married eight years. We got two, two kids. But man, it was, uh, it was quite the journey. So I move up here, start working at a church, and was on staff at a church called Life Church for about seven years. And then left that in 2019, was, went to another staff church and uh, called Transformation Church and got to be a part of that for about 18 months. And then in the midst of all of that, and this thing we've been living through for going on three years, the pandemic happens. And I'll be honest with you, Ryan, if you would have told me in 2019 that I would have my own business, I would have said, you're crazy. But when my daughter was born in October of 2019, I made an agreement with myself and I said, I, I will give you presence of time not just presence of things. And I didn't know how that was going to happen, but then the world shuts down and I get really used to being at home. And so when our staff made the decision to go back 
June of 2020 back to the office, I felt so strongly two words. It's time. And I'm like, it's time for what? And I just felt that I talked to my wife and this was the thing, man. I told my wife, I think, I think I'm supposed to quit my job and start this coaching business. And she goes, Oh, now for the husbands out there, when your wife gets octaves higher, choose your next words carefully. And so she's like, you know what? I think you may be the last person to realize what you should be doing. That's all I needed, bro. I didn't care if the whole world thought this was a terrible idea. My queen, my bride, my biggest cheerleader said, go, let's do it. So, you know, we get really excited when we start things. You know, everybody's like, oh, I want to start this thing. You know, we're at the time we're recording this is January. People are fired up right now. But what happens when you're sitting in front of a computer you just bought two weeks after stepping off the team, something you've done for 11 years, and you go, what do I do now? And that was, I didn't have a business plan. I didn't have a name. I just knew I wanted to help coach people out of where they're at to where they should and were designed to be. And so I sat down and I said, okay, what's this thing going to be called? And that's where Unleash the Champ came. It's twofold. When I was on staff at the church I was last at before I started the business, the pastor sat down with me and he said, man, there's something inside of you that needs to be unleashed. Like that was the thing. He pushed me so much in that unleash, 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 unleash was the thing. And then my dad, like I said, I I played sports all growing up. And so my dad, one of the things he called me often in in those times is, hey, champ, you ready? Hey, champ, you ready for the game today? Hey, champ, you're going to do well today. You've, You've practiced, champ. And it was just, it blended together so beautifully to where, yeah, we're going to call this thing Unleash the Champ because I believe that there's a champion inside of everybody, but because of our circumstances, our situations, things we do that happen to us, things that we do to ourselves, we play small, we retreat. We go from knowing that we are called to be extraordinary to just ordinary. And my mission is to, uh, to reverse that curse. Wow. That is amazing. Quite the story. I, I love the the story behind the name too, and love the name Unleash the Champ. So I'm curious, you know, you talked about, and by the way, I appreciate you sharing real life of what it's like, you know, you're sitting there, you just started your business. Now, what do I do? Because <laughs> that, that is real life. Could you share maybe a, a story from your first year and a half or so in business and, and what it was like? Because my guess is it wasn't just smooth sailing, right? Oh, man. You know, Ryan, I, uh, I got really cocky really quick. So first month in business, we just crush it. Like making like 50% in a month of what my salary was for a year. I just thought like, whoo, I am crushing it. This is what I'm meant to do. It is going to be up and to the right. Let's go. And then I realized how much of a terrible boss I am to myself because I had this huge influx of money. And let me tell you, so I started a business July of 2020. Well, it's warm weather. I live in Oklahoma. I picked up playing golf during the pandemic because it was the only thing open because you could be outside. Bro, I'm playing golf like two, three times a week. I'm just like living life. And then the next month when all that revenue didn't come in, 
I had nothing. I had no pipeline. I had nothing. And I had to realize that I'm a terrible boss to myself. The systems that I was in created the organization that I had. And so that was lesson number one is you got to be a good boss to yourself. And I I was working with my coach. I had hired a coach. Okay, we're going to do this. And there were weeks that went by that I didn't hit deadline, that I didn't hit things that I committed to him to do. And this was the question. He said, man, if you had a teammate, because I got to lead, like, you know, in the bio, got to lead thousands of people, hundreds on that were directly reporting to me. He said, if somebody did that to you, what would you say to them? And it was like, oh, that would not be a good conversation for them. And it was as the words were coming out of my mouth, I went, oh, that's, I'm not holding myself to the same level of accountability as I would somebody that was reporting to me. So that was lesson number one. Lesson number two would be that you can't lose if you don't stop. Man, I, I had a lot of success early and then it was just like, dry and barren land for like months. And this was during the time that my wife was pregnant with our second kiddo. I'd quit my job, quit the, you know, launched this business. We get pregnant again. You know, we, we, we had like two pandemic babies, basically, you know, you put healthy marriages at home. we got to find something to do. And so I'm feeling all of this pressure as the provider as the, the man of the house. And dude, there was times, it was like a four and a half month period when my wife was pregnant that like we had no new revenue come in. And I start to internalize it, but I also shut my wife out because I didn't want to tell her how bad it was getting because I thought she was the one, she was the one that said, you should do this. And I didn't want to look like a failure. And so that's another lesson is to be vulnerable to those that are closest to you. And when it finally came and I was like, hey, listen, this is where we're at. This is, I mean, dude, we're, we're sustaining our life on credit cards. I am doing things I've never, I've never thought I would do charging, you know, mortgages on credit card. Like it was just bad. And then seemingly out of nowhere, we have a month where we're able to catch up fully. And it was the month that I was so close to shutting this thing down, getting, going back into ministry, getting a job because our second kiddo was about to be born. And my wife wanted to stay home. Once our kiddo was born, I wanted to provide that. And I said, you know what, if I got to go get another job and table this, I'm willing to do it. And I think I had to get to the point where I was willing to be completely broken and humbled and my ego smashed for God to say, all right, now we can start growing. Now we can start growing. And it was seemingly, as your listeners listen, I'm quoting, seemingly out of nowhere. And so those are some of the lessons like you can't lose if you don't stop. Your your vulnerability is your superpower. Your ability to be committed to what the thing is that you've been called and told and felt to do until that changes, don't stop. 
Hey man, I love it. You're dropping gold here. This is amazing. I, I appreciate you going deep into that. I love what you said. Can't lose if you don't stop. I mean, I was laughing during a lot of what you're saying because I mean, I've, I've been through it all before too. You have this amazing month and you're like, oh, everything is great. Let me go spend all my money. And then, oh shoot, that th those were one-time <laughs> revenues, not monthly. But I, I appreciate you being real. That is definitely real life behind the scenes of an entrepreneur. What does it mean to have a championship run? You talk about that. What does that mean to you? Yeah, so for me, it's destiny. It's purpose. And, and I like the term championship run because growing up doing sports, at the beginning of a season, we'd have goals. We'd have, okay, we want to make the championship. We want to make the playoffs. We want to make the state championship. We want to make the national championship, whatever it is. And it's this thought that like we're all on this journey of the champion we are meant to be. And so the run is you do what is necessary. You create the mile markers, you create the steps. It's not, I'm going to hit this destination and be done. It's okay. We're hitting here. Now what's the next thing? What's the next thing? The championship run doesn't end until we end. And so it's that movement of continuously unleashing the champ, unleashing the championship run that we're designed and created for. Why do you think most people never step into their championship run? Scared. Um, people have told them what they should be. It's more comfortable to stay in a place that is consistent. I mean, people have asked me, uh, you know, hey, do you miss do you miss being in ministry? Do you miss being a pastor? And I said, yeah, on the first and the 15th. Because having a salary is nice. I wouldn't tell people to do what I did. I launched a business in the middle of a pandemic with an eight-month-old. Then I got my wife pregnant again. And 15 months later, she quits her job. So within an 18-month period, we both quit our jobs. We have two kiddos in the middle of a pandemic. Like I wouldn't necessarily say that's how you should do it, but it worked for us. And so I think why people don't is because they think, ah, man, that's great for Kyle. That's great for Ryan. Like They can do that, but that's not me. And I don't suggest everybody go out and quit your job and start a business. But what I would have you consider is what is the thing that you've been sitting on that you know you should do, whether that's personally, like with your health, your fitness, your relationships, your emotional health, what do you do professionally? Like there's something in there that you have to, you have to rattle the cage. You have to have, okay, what do you want? Most people don't even know that. You know, my, my daughter is right under two and a half years old. I could ask her, Piper, what do you want? That baby girl, give me 17 different things. I want to watch Cocoa Melon. I want, a, I want a granola bar. I need some juice. I want some water. I want to go outside. I want to play inside. I want, like, my daughter could go for days telling me what she wants. But something happens as we get older that we forget our ability to say what we want. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of great stuff you shared in there. And that's why I think coaching is so important because, you know, you mentioned you didn't really draw it up this way, but you kind of got forced into, you got to be successful, right? Based on your situation. And for a lot of people, they don't become successful until they have something forcing them or they hit rock bottom 
or, you know, they put themselves in a, a situation where they have a coach or somebody pushing them because, I mean, it's it's easy to stay comfortable and be ordinary instead of pushing yourself to be extraordinary, but uh, lots of great points in there. So how important do you think belief is to people's success? Uh, it's, it's everything. Before you can see anything different with your eyes, you have to see it in your mind. Before you can see any physical change, it has to start with your belief that it's possible. One of the first things that I do with all my clients is is we go through an exercise where I ask a lot of questions to get them to dream again. What do you want? Who do you have to become to get that? Are you willing to do what it takes? Where where would you go if, if the cap was lifted, the lid was no more? What would you do? And it's, it's probably the most frustrating part of working with me is that initial getting people to believe that their dreams are possible. Get them to identify what dreams could actually be. And belief is, is paramount to that. Because it was Henry Ford's, like, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. If you think you can, you think you can't, you're right. And so belief is the linchpin to any growth in any area of your life. Yeah, I 100% agree. I, I do something similar with my clients when I first jump on the phone with them because it is important. People, you know, they've had failures in the past or they've been disappointed in the past. And so they set the bar so low. So just opening that up and hey, what's possible? You know, what if you did hit this goal? I know you don't think you can right now, but what if you did? So I love that. That's awesome stuff. What would you say are some of your best habits or best practices? So for me, my warm up and cool down routines, that's what I just call morning and evening routines. You know, everything's the sports champs language is paramount. So my warm up in the mornings, read, pray, visualize, meditate, that sets the entire day up. It may not always be, you know, 30 minutes or whatever, but I make sure that those things I do every day. Then in the evening, I do something to, to stimulate my mind that doesn't involve a screen. So I, whether I pick up a book, I, I meditate again. If I didn't get to that in the morning, I'll do that at night. It's, it's our ability to quiet our minds, our ability to close our eyes and see something greater is, is literally why I'm in the position I am now. The things that I am experiencing now, I've been seeing for months. And it's it's that ability to see it with our eyes closed that allows us to experience it with our eyes open. Yeah, 100%. Totally agree. And I love that, that everything is sports related. I'm, I'm a huge sports guy as well. But I know you mentioned earlier in uh, you know the beginning when we were, we were talking about your backstory, when you became saved, you came to Jesus. So I'm curious, how important has your faith been to your success in business and life? You know, I think it's been, it's been super important, but it's honestly been one of the things that held me back in the beginning. And so before people are like, Oh, this has gone crazy. You know, I think sometimes Christians have a really hard time wanting the best things in life, wanting a lot of money. Like I make no qualms about it now that like within five years, Unleash the Champ will be a, a multi-million dollar business. I start saying that with some of my church friends, some people that I used to lead in ministry. And they're like, why do you need all that? 
because I can give more, because I can do more, I can impact more. And so my faith is the thing that that grounds me, that anchors me, but it was also the thing that kept me stuck. I, I call it in the beginning, I had this pastor problem. When I started in business, I wanted to take everybody on. I wanted to help everybody uh, do stuff for free, which I think part of that is just in the beginning of growing anything. But I, I had a really hard time charging what I was worth. I had a really hard time saying it is this to work with me. Everybody around me was saying, bro, like, like 400 bucks a month. Like, what are you doing? Like, you can't, you can't put diapers on your babies for that. Be like, but I was, I just don't want to. Uh, uh, and so I think sometimes as believers, we think, oh, you got to be humble. You can't like money. You, you can't say that you want success because, you know, that's, you might as well be like tax collectors. And so I think for me, I had to shift and say, okay, if, if God wants to do immeasurably more than I can ask or imagine, why should I limit what he could do in me? And that's where it started to shift is when I said, you know what? I'm just going to put God to the test. Can he do whatever he wills? Sure. But I'm going to, like I used the analogy of my daughter, my daughter will ask me for things and her belief is that me as her father can do it. Why don't we have that same, that same mentality to God? And as I started saying, God, I want you to do this in me. God, I want you to grow this in me. God, like put my name in the mouths of rooms I've never been in. And then it starts happening. So people reach out out of nowhere and go, hey, man, I've been seeing what you're doing. Like, I want to talk to you about that. I ain't do nothing for that. So my faith is what carries me through this and says, okay, God, I know you call me to do this. And calling is, you know, we could, we could dive into that too. Um, I think we sometimes get hung up by that word, but I know you, you led me to do this. I know that this is my assignment right now. So if all of this is true and you've not, you've not, not shown up in the past. So why would I think you're not going to show up and show out now? And so again, it anchored me, but it also kept me stuck for a while because I had to reprogram even how I viewed God. And so it's been, it's been quite the journey. That's awesome. I love that answer. And I I think that's really going to help people and speak to people a lot because I think that is a struggle sometimes, especially for believers of, you know, am I wanting too much or what are, what are your friends at church going to say or whatever, but great points that you made. I, I love it. You know, having the abundance mindset and look, I mean, the money is out there. So is it better in your hands where you're going to give more and do more good or somebody else that is not going to do those things. So 100% man. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Last question for you here, Kyle, what is your definition of an extraordinary man? An extraordinary man knows who he is and does what he says he does knows who he is and does what he says he will do. So often we, as men dilute our effectiveness because we want to be measured on the things we intend to do not the things we actually do. So an extraordinary man, one that is says, hey, look, I'm going to be the protector. I'm going to be the provider. I'm going to be the presider. And I'm going to, I'm going to lead well. I'm going to be honest. And I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. And that, to me, that'll make you an extraordinary man. I love that answer. This has been awesome. Kyle, where can people go to find out more about you and connect with you? 
Yeah. So I'm most active on Instagram at Kyle J Sullivan. Um, if there's something you want to reach out directly, Kyle at KyleJSullivan.com is my personal email address. You, you'll get directly to me. Would love to hear your story. Love to hear the journey you're on. Put extraordinary man. So I know it came from here and uh, we'll have a conversation. Awesome. Well, I will make sure there's links down in the show notes below for that, but it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Kyle. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely, Ryan. It's been a blast. Thanks, man. Guys, thanks so much for joining me on another episode of the Extraordinary Man podcast. Here's the thing. You're never going to maximize your potential on your own. So I'm personally inviting you to come and join me in the private Extraordinary Man Facebook group so you can level up your business and your life. Just head over to Facebook and type Extraordinary Man into the search box and it will show up as the first result. Iron sharpens iron and this is the number one place for you to connect with me and other like-minded men who are on a mission to maximize their potential. My goal is to help you become the man God created you to be in all areas of your life. So come and join us in the Facebook group and upgrade your business and your life. I'll see you on the next episode.